see a woman change their own pants. They can never nah, lose it. Nah. Unless they lose it. They can't lose. If they win a fight, they can become undisputed, but they can never that's, lose that's it. That's babysitting. Oh, uh, no, no, no. We got to talk to Al. Top rank got some shit going on. Matter of fact, boxing on some bullshit. Adrian no longer speaks English. He speaks Brownish, so I'm his interpreter. <laughs> So today I wanted to talk about Eddie Hearn and the reason I want to talk about Eddie is I think Eddie's in this really interesting space in terms of his involvement in boxing. I call this the third act of Hearn and I've talked about the first act of Hearn and that starts way back when with Audley and that was really about being the underdog and his strive for acceptance and he had to get out of daddy's shadow, right? That was always act one in the life of her and act one was i can take this orderly and then i can turn it into frotch groves too so at the end of act one eddie was on top of the british boxing world act two was getting to the top of the boxing world globally and that was spearheaded by his involvement with joshua so you go from frotch groves to into Kell Brook versus Sean Porter, and then you fast forward a bit into Anthony Joshua versus Charles Martin, and everything that followed on from there. And he rode that wave to the point where it was looking like this man was going to dominate global boxing. It looked like he had the formula. He had the control of the narrative. He had the control of social media. He had the control of the visual media. He had people begging him for a soundbite, a quote, because they understood Eddie Hearn did real numbers. Not the cooked up numbers that you see, which are there, but the real numbers. But something went wrong in Act 2. And so Act 2 wasn't a crowning triumph, and this was triggered by Andy Ruiz. And once Andy Ruiz slayed the goose that laid the golden egg, there was a question of rebuilding. And then there was COVID. And so that quest for global domination slowed down. And then Bob Arum, ever the wise old man, put enough blockers in the way that Hearn could never say he was the biggest name in world boxing. And so post-lockdown, we're into the third and final act of Hearn. And it is this. Can I get to the top? And can I leave a legacy? Now, we have to look at all the good that Hearn has done up until this point. Eddie let the fans in a little bit. He gave you an insight into the machinations of doing business and boxing. Sometimes it was to serve his own purpose. Be absolutely clear about that. But we understood a lot of things that sat in these contracts. We understood a lot more about why fights didn't get made. Now, he front-loaded this a lot in act one on his way up. And it came to bite him as he became more and more famous because he got held to his own standards. He made it cool to pay fighters on time. 
He made it cool to pay fighters what they were worth. He made it cool to sometimes give fighters a little more if they did a little more. Some may say that's buying loyalty. I say that's rewarding good performance. And that's where he earned his respect in boxing. He became a man of his word. That's rare in boxing. And as I keep saying ad nauseum, if someone's got the dirt on Eddie Hearn, they've done a fantastic job in hiding it. The guy seems to fly pretty straight. He seems to be pretty honest in his business dealings. He can be brash, abrasive, annoying. But deep down, you're like, he's not going to lie to me. He's not going to Judas me. Now, I know there's some people who say he supposedly offered Callum Johnson 80 grand to fight Joshua Boatze and then brought it down to 40 while paying Josh upwards of 140, 150K. These are rumours. And if they're true, fair play. But does that point to a declining market or does that point to a change in philosophy? I don't know. What I do know is those sorts of rumours are the exception, not the rule when it comes to Hearn. And that's a good thing for boxing. But the challenge that he has now, are you, how do you start to fashion those good things that you've done, the transparency, the better quality of product, the, well, in terms of how it looks, not necessarily the fights, so that's the better quality of product. How do you take all of these things and turn them into a meaningful legacy, which means maybe you can take a step back and watch your kids grow? I don't know the answer to that. I don't think he quite knows the answer. But I do know that in this year, he has to come close to that answer because this is the final act. This will be Hearn's probably last and biggest play in boxing. Because I don't think boxing will allow him to become any bigger. So it's not really about can you turn boxing. Because I think you've made it a bigger thing than your father could do. But I don't necessarily think you can make it ten times bigger than you've already made it. So then the question becomes, what's keeping Eddie Hearn awake in January 2021? So I'd say Hearn's thinking about three things right now. And he's probably listening and he's going to go, well, I bet, I bet he gets this one wrong. So I think objective one for Hearn is to re-up on the Sky contract and extend that for another three to five years, but also to balance off the conflict you have with DAZN, because that doesn't seem to be a neat fit at the moment, and I don't think it creates a solution that works for Sky, DAZN, or even Hearn himself. I'd say the second thing you should be thinking about and should be investing some time in is being true to his aim to be involved in the biggest fights in boxing history. So he has to align himself to the biggest names in boxing. And that might mean shifting the direction of his business and shifting the focus of matchroom away from where it currently is towards the, where, where he sees boxing heading. And we'll talk about that later. And then the third thing is, how do you make this whole thing scalable so that it's not just him and he's not under pressure to talk every day. How do you make it scalable? What team do you build around? What proposition do you offer whereby this thing we call Matchroom is sustainable beyond Eddie Hearn and it's not just going to die when he decides to go and do something else, which he invariably will because everyone gets bored at some point. So if you remember... 
Matchroom have kind of, well, they have had exclusivity on Sky for about the last nearly six years or so. I think it became official probably, what, 2014, 2015? I can't remember the exact date. This slips me. But after Frotch Groves 2, and that's why I say this is the end of Act 1, I think Sky realised they had their man in Eddie Hearn, and so they tied him down to that contract. And in exchange, they said, right, you be exclusive to us, we'll be exclusive to you. Although I don't think the exclusivity on Hearn's part was written in, mainly because there wasn't anywhere else for him to go. So this was a good deal. And the thing they don't talk about is, this is what I call an in-house deal. So they got to work with Barney Francis. And Barney Francis, as people know, used to be the managing director at Sky Sports. Why is this important? It's important because Barney Francis was also non-exec director of Matchroom Sports. So he sat on that board, which meant him and Barry were pretty close. And Barry was close with his predecessor. And that's how you've seen snooker, pool, and all those other sports that Matchroom do grow on Sky and help Sky increase its footprint. Because there's that relationship of trust and friendship and all those sorts of things. So it's always been an easy negotiation process, considering the challenges you have. They could all be resolved behind the scenes between two friends. And it was essentially Barry and Barney that would thrash out the deal, and then Eddie would announce it, because really Barry stole the power behind the throne, because he owned those relationships. So now fast forward to 2021. Barney Francis has now gone, I think he's gone to e we Play, sorry, and he's advising any number of sports brands how to monetize video content. Which is fascinating because Sky Sports were notoriously bad for providing video content during the lockdown. So where that advice comes from, I don't know. But he's an experienced guy and Barney is responsible for a number of innovations. I think 2020 being one of them in terms of the cricket. So you can't really disrespect him and... 11 years as MD for Sky Sports, you've learned a lot in the game. So, you know, I'll always respect that. That's, that's real achievement. That's real graft. Now, his replacement's a guy called Rob Webster, if I remember correctly. And what makes Rob really interesting is Rob's not from that content background that Barney is. Barney's all about how can we jazz up snooker? How can we jazz up football? How can we elevate these sports? How can we make boxing special that was what he did the product you see on pay-per-view now is barney francis's vision in conjunction with barry as executed by eddie and the rest of the sky sports team so he's he's a guy with a vision and you've got to admire that rob webster's very much a guy deep in the numbers so he comes to sky sports having been group commercial director and having been their lawyer beforehand Different dynamics. Does Hearn know him? Don't know. Does Barry know him? Definitely not to the same extent he's known everyone else in Sky Sports. That's the important thing here. Barry knew everyone there. And it's how many decision makers does Barry still have influence over in 2021? And how many does Eddie have influence over? And then you look at this new guy and you say, what does he want to do? Do you get rid of Hearn? Do you get rid of the pay-per-view? Which has kind of generated hundreds of millions of pounds for Sky. 
You know, that's one of their crown jewels. When you know you've got Anthony Joshua on your platform and he can probably generate, you know, 15 to 20 million a pop, why wouldn't you keep him? So what does Rob Webster want? Hard to tell. There'll be a lot of, we want to carry on a lot of the good things we're doing. There'll be a lot of stuff that he'll want to revisit. Am I paying too much for premiership football? Am I getting the right balance between our pay-per-view content and our non-pay-per-view content? You know, and he'll probably look at all number of different sports and say, how can we make these better? And how can we make back the money we lost in 2020? And there'll be some things, if I were to transpose my head and think about the world from the perspective of a commercial director, what I'm really looking for is convince me we can make a load of money on what you're proposing. And so you look at the contract you got with Hearn and you say, well, why is it exclusive on our side but not on your side? And if it's not exclusive on your side, what do those conflicts of interest mean for my revenue? And so that's how your negotiations start. And this is probably why, while you imagine if Barney was still there, the deal would have been wrapped up by now. I suspect the deal's nowhere near being wrapped up because obviously the new guy's going to want to stamp his influence on this. So the question is, what are the battles the new guy can win? What are the battles the new guy can't win? And we'll find this out when the contract becomes public. Well, to what extent it becomes public. But the key thing for Sky is we need to keep hold of Anthony Joshua. I think Sky could afford to lose Eddie at a push. I wouldn't recommend it, but it's possible. You couldn't afford to lose Eddie and Joshua. You may as well get out of boxing at that point because no one's going to do those numbers in the short to medium term that they do. So on one hand, you think Eddie's got all the cards because he's got the key asset. But on the other hand, Sky is the key asset. You know, their know-how, their ability to execute on that pay-per-view platform. Remember, and this is another thing that will probably tap into Rob's expertise, Sky Sports Box Office is essentially a white-label product. I think it's provided by the Endeavor Group. And you, it used to be New Lion, but they got taken over by the Endeavor Group. And what the Endeavor Group do is they say, we provide all of these pay-per-view capabilities across the world. So sports content you see behind a paywall is somehow linked to the Endeavor Group in most cases. And that's probably the direction sport and broadcasting is going, is these partnership models. So I'm going to partner with you for distribution. I'm going to partner with you for content. Do you just want to partner with Eddie Hearn for the content? I'm not necessarily sure about that. And this is where it becomes important. When you've been used to someone delivering so often, you always wonder if there are other people out there who could deliver. But if you go back to the days when Sky Sports delivered across multiple different promoters, you had Dave Caldwell floating around. Now, I don't know if Dave had his own shows on Sky. Someone confirmed that for me. But you could look at a Caldwell show and it had guys like Hosea Burton, Prince Aaron. Uh, I actually had Wally Dean's brother, I think it was Haroon. Yeah, so Dave had an interesting cast of characters, Ryan Rhodes and so forth, that he would promote. Frank Maloney had guys like Tom Little. He had guys like Tom Dallas. He had guys like Dillian White in his early days. You know, and they were getting airtime on TV. David Price is another example. Ricky Hatton had Scott Quigg. Ricky Hatton had Martin Murray. He had 
um, guys like Kieran Farrell. There, there were all of these names that were all getting exposed. The problem was they didn't have the big budget and the big production values that exist now. But all those names, when you go back through the names, these guys were all boxing on these different platforms and were all getting airtime on Sky. The problem's become that fewer and fewer names are getting that airtime on Sky. So go back eight, nine years, you had a pretty consistent quality of product. So I don't think losing exclusivity would harm the fans. I think it might force people to up their game. It might force Eddie to go, well, if I've got half the days I had with Sky beforehand, I need to make them better than everyone else because that's how I get my exclusivity back. Maybe that hunger will come back to him. Or maybe he'll go, I only want to do half the dates I did before because I'm going to do the other half with DAZN. And so that bidding war should also increase the quality of the product. So all of these things are happening in Hearn's head and he's thinking, what's my winning position here? I don't know. Um, the hope you would have is DAZN say, we don't want to sign any British fighters. It, Sky, you can have all these British guys. We just want to broadcast our US fights to UK fans. That's our model in the UK. Our UK subscribers will just get that. Nothing more, nothing less. And from what I can see, I think the zone will sit on their technology stack, unlike Sky, who outsourced it to the Endeavor group. So it's lining up to be a pretty interesting battle in terms of you know who can execute and what. So if it's the case that the British guy stays aligned to the existing structure, does Hearn really have a conflict of interest? Yes and no. Because, like I said, Rob Webster is a guy who has been very important in terms of partnerships. That's what commercial directors do. They go out there and they find partnerships that help grow their revenue streams. Now, it might be the case that he goes to Al Heyman and says, can we show your PBC fights on Sky? I suspect the answer will be no. I think Al has other plans that involve British broadcasters but we'll see how that goes. He could go to ESPN, but I think they're pretty tied up with BT. But he could go looking for these opportunities to broaden the boxing content. They're all, all of these things can happen, but what it means ultimately, and I don't want to bore people with the minutia of contract negotiations, what it means is the next deal will be fundamentally different from the last deal. And then that will set the direction for British boxing. I think as fans, we want more competition. We'd like to see other promoters given a chance. Small hall guys, I don't necessarily know. A wild card, I wouldn't rule out David Hay. Because if you were to lose Hearn, who would be a logical replacement? You'd imagine it would be someone like David Hay. Does he want to do that? I don't know. But you'll know, what, you'll know his direction if he starts trying to sign people. I'm surprised he hasn't already because Chisora's coming to the end of his life. In boxing, I should say, not his life in general, sorry. But the key thing to remember is David's got everything Eddie has and more. Because we trust David. David's delivered for the British public in the ring. He understands what it takes. So let's see how that plays out. I think if Hearn can get some kind of agreement that gives him leverage at Sky, fair play to him, he'd have done really well. Because the product hasn't been good enough to give him that kind of leverage. So the second element is Eddie getting closer to, to the bigger names, 
the real superstars of boxing. At the moment, if you'll be honest, he has Joshua and he kind of has Canelo for now. And if we look at it, and just to touch back on the contract negotiations, if you're Sky Sports and you're looking at Joshua, you're saying 2019 fought in America, fought in Saudi, 2020 fought in Wembley in front of a thousand people, mostly mates of Matchroom. Meh. That's not floating our boat right now. We need to get Joshua back boxing in the UK. But that's just one name Hearn has. That's his leverage in terms of boxing because for all the things we say about Canelo, Canelo determines who Canelo fights and he determines mostly who's on the undercard. So what's Hearn's role? Hearn's role is to be an English-speaking mouth for hire. And I don't know if that's the future. I don't know if that's where Matchroom are headed and almost look at it as promotion as a service. You know, you get software as a service, you get infrastructure as a service. Can you get promotion as a service where if I've got a fight, I just plug Hearn in and Hearn does what he does, his IFL, his boxing social, his behind the gloves, fight hype, seconds out, and Hearn just makes all that noise and dominates. And he gets his cut. And he can do that this week for my fight. He can do it next week for his fight, next week for your fight, and all just keep repeating the cycle. And what does that mean? It means that he's at every big fight. Now, let's exclude Bob, because I don't think Bob would work with him in that sense. Bob does more than enough on his own. But you start to look at guys like Javante Davis. Could he be elevated with the benefit of an Eddie Hearn? Possibly. Errol Spence? Absolutely. Danny Garcia? He could help rebuild and revitalize him. And I think Hearn would love working with guys like Javante and Adrian Broner. You know those guys with that edge? I think, I think deep down that's what he likes. And so you can see Hearn offering that kind of white label look. You know what you get with me. If you've got a fight that needs to cross over, you've seen me do it with you know, KSI, Logan Paul, and so forth. So all of these things start to come together, and you start to look at Eddie and go, Maybe Eddie doesn't need a stable of fighters anymore. Maybe that doesn't float his boat anymore because since Joshua, he hasn't really unearthed the superstar. Now, we can keep saying Conor Ben is going to be the greatest of all time. Conor Ben's going to be really good, by the way. I don't necessarily think he'll be a, another Mayweather, but he'll be really good and he'll give some entertaining fights. But is that enough to want to retain a stable? I don't think it is. If we just say theoretically there are 15 big fights on planet Earth in any given year. At the moment, Hearn has the Joshua fights and a couple of Canelo fights. So he looks at it like, look at all this other action I am missing out on. Look at all this additional revenue matchroom we're not getting a part of. Look at this additional exposure we're not getting. And so I can see there being a leaning towards wanting to be in those sorts of circles. What, what the entry point is, I don't know. Would I rather listen to Hearn than Ellaby? I don't know. But these are the choices guys at Al Heyman have to make, what's best for their proposition. But I can see that being more of a thing. So now, let's look. A year ago, it was just Joshua. Now it's Canelo. And the more that Eddie shows that he is not Oscar De La Hoya by any stretch of the imagination, the more he shows the zone he can be relied upon, you get Ryan Garcia. And then you start to look around and go, who else could I be trusted with? Could I be trusted with Clarissa Shields? 
I think so. So I can see Hearn wanting to do that. I genuinely can. Because if you look at the evolution of the model that Hearn had, when he started out, it was just him and Audley, and he was trying to sign all the people he could so he could say to Sky, this is what I bring to the table, because he didn't have what he has now. So he had to be traditional. After Frotch Groves 2, it was like, okay, we kind of believe in you now. And then he delivered on Joshua. And so you look at that and you say, well, all he does is act as a mouthpiece for Joshua. He doesn't train him, doesn't advise him on anything, can't really guide his career because there are too many interested parties involved in that for her to have that kind of pull. And then just to swing back to the contract negotiations, who's to say that Anthony Joshua isn't thinking about getting a TV platform for his guys? Why wouldn't he? He seems to be signing a lot of people. I think that would be good to have a guy like a Campbell Hatton there. And then who else would he sign? Would he sign guys like Ben Whitaker? I know he's got his eye on Ben Whitaker. And if the Olympics don't happen this year, I can see that deal happening. And where are you going to put them all? TV? My, my dream, to be honest with you, would be to see their, I mean, our British golden boy fronted by Chisora, Joshua and Hay. Can you imagine that? That would be pretty mind-blowing. But to come back to it, this is what Hearn wants to be involved in. It's these big events, you know, crowds, historical significance. He wants more of that. He can't do that on his own because Fox is not going to allow him to take all of that money and control it. So that's what's going to happen. And if we go back to phase one, phase one was, let me prove that I'm capable. Now, that was act one. And that was the model. The model was a traditional promotional model. I've got fighters, I put fights on, they get on TV. Phase two was about those super fights. Then it was about, we need stadium events. We need, we need fights that people are going to remember for the next 10 to 15 years. And he got, he got Frotch Groves too. Then he got Brooke versus Porter. Then we had Joshua versus Martin. Then we had Brooke Golovkin. Then after that, we had Joshua Klitschko. We had Brooke versus Errol Spence. And then it sort of tailed off in terms of fights where you're like, I will remember that. It tailed off because he had played all the cards that he had. And that's why the pressure to make Khan Brook is still in him because he understands, you know, that fight still has some pull. That's why he's talking about Joshua versus Fury because they're the kind of things he wants to be involved in. I don't think he cares about Anthony Fowler. And I don't think he really cares about Luke Campbell. I'm just being honest. Those things don't get him out of bed in the morning. So that, that element will be something that you can see him pushing this year. And I think if he can show that he's to be trusted on a Canelo versus Billy Joe, I think more guys will want to work with him. That's going to be his test in America. If he can make people care about Canelo who didn't before, fair play to him. Because in the UK, he comes across as being a bit of a knob. Let's not lie. That's what he does. He's just a bit of a knob. But in America, because they're normally so over the top themselves, he comes across as calm and measured. And you can see that. And a lot of fans quite like how Eddie Hearn conducts business over there. But the third thing he's probably stressing about, and I suspect this is the one he struggles the most with, is how do you make this sustainable? 
take away Eddie Hearn, and there's no match room, really. We've waited for Frank Smith to step up. He hasn't been able to. And so Eddie hasn't really groomed a natural successor. I don't know if Sam Jones is being groomed for the role. Jesus, I hope not. He's not quite what we're looking for either as boxing fans. What we don't want is, we don't want another Eddie Hearn, but we need someone who can take boxing in a different direction, someone who sees it differently, just like Eddie saw it differently years ago. If you remember those early IFL interviews, and they're still available if you want to go and watch them. And Hearn started off saying, look, fans should be able to get hold of me at any time. I'll, I'll respond to all questions and all opinions. I guess that was easy to do when he was on the come-up. And then when he got big, he couldn't do that anymore. That's understandable because there's a certain amount of spite and malice that comes with success, and you don't want to have to deal with that because continued negativity affects your life, and you don't want that. So as the model's evolved, what he hasn't been able to do is groom that successor to say, okay, where do you see boxing go? Okay, where, where does matchroom boxing have to go in order to elevate? And I think part of that's going to come from looking at what's happening in the market. And I think, you know, Barney Francis going over to WePlay looks like it may benefit Matchroom as well because you're starting to see the wheels turning in terms of Matchroom creating its in-house content and in-house distribution. So my own view is Hearn was stung last year when he realized that when all sports stopped, Matchroom had nothing to give the fans. BT did. They went to the ESPN archive straight away. Licensed some content, got it out there, got the share of voice in terms of sport. Sky were hurt by this too. And you can see lessons are being learned. So now with that in-house coverage and you know the shoulder content and all that stuff, they've realized that if there's no boxing, you still want people to be thinking of Matchroom. That looks like one of the steps in the evolution to create their own content that they can license at the drop of a hat. Their own content that they maybe want to put behind a paywall, although when you're a promotional company, it's pretty hard to put stuff behind a paywall. But you could also put the matchroom veneer, long-term, over the Endeavor proposition. And you could run your own pay-per-view platform. Now, do you want to do that? That's when it starts to get contentious and you put yourself in very shaky ground because you then have to be transparent and you have to be regulated and so forth. And you don't necessarily want that. So I don't think Hearn is going to make a play to become a broadcaster in that sense. I think they just want to have ownership of a degree of content. Now, whether you partner up with AJ Boxing and so forth and become an over-the-top hub for all of those sort of micro channels, I don't know. But that's clearly one phase of it. Create content that the fans want, but make sure you own it so you can license it, distribute it, and monetize it. Doesn't have to be behind a paywall. Can help in some situations, but can also hinder. So we've, we've, we've addressed the, the lack of a natural success. So we've addressed this realization that 2020 wasn't good enough for two reasons. One, the content wasn't there, so there wasn't the share of voice. And all that he had were those low-quality videos with him and these boxing outlets just talking nonsense, him phoning people up. Do you remember the 7 o'clock he just phoned people up or, well, not phoned them up, but he'd have one-on-ones on Instagram with people and it just wasn't acceptable. 
that coupled with the fact that Joshua only fought once and it wasn't even a great fight or a spectacular fight. That was a pretty flat 2020 for Eddie. He got to box, watch boxing in his garden. Yeah, great. But that's the reality of it. So you start to move in that direction. You've got to find a successor. And then you've got to find a model that works. Do you want to have a stable of fighters that you build up to world championship level? Or do you just want to promote the best in the world and let other people build stars? That then becomes another question. So will Matchroom deliver that kind of, that plug and play capability? So if I've got a big fight coming up, there's a Matchroom machine that can get behind it and turn a 2 million viewership into a 5 million viewership. But this is how you make your business sustainable, where you become the engine that drives growth in boxing. And I think to that end, they'll probably stay pretty close to Barney Francis and try and see what other sports are doing and get that best-in-practice guidance on that. But I think that's ultimately going to be... If Hearn's legacy is to grow the sport of boxing, and I think that's really what he wants. Like He's got that kind of megalomania, hasn't he, where he wants to be the guy that took boxing from 1 million pay-per-views in the UK to 5 million. And if he can do that, fair play, because everybody gets richer. Not just him, everyone in the sport gets richer. And then there's another element, which is how will we define boxing going forward? Is it just about how many people want to watch a fight? Is it about the, the meaning of the fight in terms of the canon of the sport? Or, or is it as simple as we're just all here to make money? Because... We've got to figure out where the amateur game fits in. Is that at some point we have to grasp the nettle that the amateur kids need to get TV coverage. It's what ultimately helps their career. Campbell Hatton is the guy he is because he was able to get that social media coverage on his dad's platform and the eyes that put on him. So when he does come to the ring, he's a familiar face. But there are a lot of guys like Ben Whitaker, um, Big Solly, Dakers. Can't even say so. Is it Dakers? He'll tell me. Um, ben Whitaker, Big Solly, Delicious Ori, Big Courtney Bennett, even the McCormack twins, <laughs> who I'm hearing some interesting things about from a GB perspective. So, you know, that might be touched on in another episode. But all these guys are doing great things and they're not being noticed. They don't get that TV coverage. Promoters can't get away with ignoring them for much longer. Definitely not if you're promoting guys like KSI and Logan Paul and stuff. It doesn't make any sense. So, Hearn has to address that. What is, it, what is boxing? And what, is, what can boxing not be? And therefore, where do you put all of that stuff? You know, Stephen Ward versus Thor Bjorn, Hap Thor, whatever his name is, that doesn't work for me. You know, you could see Stephen Ward was going easy and didn't want to take the piss. And because he was going easy, he got clipped. He didn't get dropped, but he got clipped. And that wouldn't normally happen if he had the adrenaline running in him. But it was a bit of a joke. KSI Logan Paul, bit of a joke. But here's the irony about KSI Logan Paul. They don't need boxing. Those guys don't need boxing. The, the YouTubers can do it all on their own platform, monetize it. They proved they could do it. They made millions without boxing. Maybe they should have been left alone and that would have all died down eventually. But Hearn had to insert himself into that. And now it's become a reality where now we're looking at, 
oh, well, what's going to happen next? How long is it till Hearn does a nostalgia tour? How long is it till he talks about, you know, sending emails to Nigel Benn and Chris Eubank? How long is it until we start to see Lennox and Riddick? How long is it till we see all of these things start happening again? You know, hey, Bell, you three. How long is it till all of this stuff happens? We all need to be clear about this because the sustainability of boxing is predicated on this above all else. Two very special human beings, male or female, doesn't matter. Risking it all. Fearless. Courageous and skillful. And when you start letting any old donkey and his mate into a ring to start doing this, you don't get the sport back. And maybe Hearn doesn't care about that, but I think the guys listening on to this do. And that's the dilemma he has in 2021. How do you reposition boxing so it goes back to being special? Because the more special the guys in the ring become, the more we're willing to pay to watch them fight. So, to summarize, Hearn's got a lot he's got to deal with. Like The tectonic plates of the world of boxing is shifting. Some will shift in his favor, some will shift against him. And he's got to work out what, what's best for him and what's best for Matchroom going forward. And I don't think there are hard and fast answers, but there are definitely many opportunities out there. Let's see if he makes the right choice. I guess we can leave it there, guys. Thank you, man. Now, whew, yeah. I wanted to say, look, I'm going to sign off now. Normally, I sign off with my normal theme music, which is the instrumental to uh, Milk Bones Keep It Real. You know. Dun, 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 dun. Love that. It's amazing. But I wanted to sign off with something different, and I might do that for a while because I have been rattled this year by the loss of a friend of mine, a young kid called Mark Langston. Standard guy, like most people. Got up, went to work, was a tradesman, lived his life. But as a hobby, he liked to rap, and he was really, really good. He was amazing. Most talented youngster I've been around. And, you know, I was honored to call him a friend. And I was honored to be inspired by him to spend more time in the studio. And that's one of the reasons my podcasts sound reasonable compared to the others. Because I invest time in editing down the audio. All lessons I learned from being in the studio with guys like him. And... The deaths affected me because he was 36 years old. And that's no age to be dying. And I'm not saying his death is greater than anyone else's. What I'm saying is his death was real to me because he was like a little brother when we were all growing up. And I know people have lost people in this period and it hasn't been easy for everyone. So I do want to say stay strong and you know, may we all look after each other. May we all stay safe and healthy. But I did want to sign off and you know, just shine a little light on a guy who deserved more recognition while he was alive. And, you know, it's that lesson, isn't it? Let the people have their roses now, man, because it's too late when they're dead. Have a great weekend, guys. Take care. Talk about my life on the beat, not a life on the street. Or hyping in beef to liven in peace, riding with heat. Nah, I'm going for mine. And staying patient, knowing in time that I'll be comfortable growing old in a fight. Is, 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 is never won or lost. You win and lose in life, but that's life. Then you get back on your job and ride it out. Ow, ow, ow. Violence is one type of fighting, fighting with somebody else Or your mind isn't right, fighting with yourself Me, I've got a diabetes, man, I'm fighting with my health Because they got crazy money 
I don't define that as wealth, expensive costume every day, man, disguising himself, knew everything, said it on blending, the opposite to self, can't look themselves in the mirror, wanna be somebody else, foul, red card, which means you leave the playing field, I know big man, that's 30, playing still won't sign to none of these pop labels, I'm staying real, flow's a roller coaster ride, but vibe it wasn't made to thrill, just do you, I've been doing me, but don't change up your content to fit into the industry, cause it'll wreak havoc in your circle, cause you lying and no one can trust you, so there's nobody to turn to, 